0: R.D. Talks, brought to you by Reader's Digest Australia. One Deadly Mess, by Helen Signy. When a yacht sends out a call for help, it leads to a turn of events that three helicopter rescuers never saw coming. It was lunchtime on October 11, 2011, when an alert first came through to the Hawke's Bay Rescue Helicopter Trust. A yachtsman was in trouble about 50 nautical miles, or 93 kilometres, out to sea. Dean Herrick, a rescue pilot for seven years, glanced at the sun. If he's going to request a rescue, he'd better do it sooner rather than later, the 35-year-old muttered, from the helicopter base of the eastern coast of North Island. What Herrick didn't realise was that when the call finally came through, the ensuing rescue would push him and his team to the limit, On duty that day with Herrick was Jeff Taylor, 49, an aircraft engineer who had been volunteering for rescue missions since 1999. He would usually work two-day and two-night shifts every month, skillfully manning the electric winch. Stephen Smith, also 49, a St John Advanced Paramedic, was trained in winching and water rescue. He'd already seen more danger than most paramedics would expect to see in their lives. In 2009, he'd helped rescue a critically injured police officer from the cordon around the Napier Hill home of gunman Jan Molinar. For this, he received the New Zealand Bravery Medal in 2011. You can't train for every contingency in Air Sea Rescue, but you can train to work as a team. Herrick, Taylor and Smith could read each other implicitly, knowing what was required before it was even voiced. Over the years, the trio had faced numerous dangerous rescue operations together, and the trust they'd built up as a team had translated into close friendships outside work. They all knew that every winch operation is inherently dangerous and everyone's life is dependent on the actions of the others involved. Out at sea, Jim Horgan had been sailing Kawa, his nine metre yacht solo from Tahiti. But nearly three weeks into his voyage, His yacht had lost its motor, steering and electrics, leaving the 63-year-old yachty from Wellington no option but to call in via a handheld radio every 30 minutes to advise the Coast Guard of his progress. As the weather conditions worsened earlier in the day, he had lost his last set of sails. Unable to steer the boat, he was adrift. At 5.30pm he radioed that he needed help. The light was fading and the wind and rain were picking up as the rescue team readied the BK-117B2 rescue helicopter. They had only 90 minutes up their sleeves, at best, before darkness set in. Without daylight, rescue in the deteriorating conditions would be next to impossible. The trio knew they'd have to retrieve Horgan quickly, then head straight back to the base. It was a half-hour flight each way to the yacht. The helicopter could carry two hours' worth of fuel that asked Horgan to turn on his emergency beacon. Using his rough GPS location, the helicopter's tracking system and communications with a container ship in the area, they soon zeroed in on the yacht being buffeted by the increasingly violent seas. Kawa was adrift broadside in five metre swells and 35 knot or 65 kilometre per hour winds. The force of each wave smashing the yacht side on could have easily broken the mast or keel and it was in danger of capsizing. Cold and exhausted, Horgan was in deep distress by the time the helicopter emerged over the horizon. Herrick, Taylor and Smith prepared for the rescue. Each had a clear role, each as vital as the other. Smith, the paramedic, put on a harness so he could be lowered down to retrieve the sailor. Taylor was in charge of the winch, constantly feeding out the line or pulling it in depending on how the situation below changed with each passing second. Too little wire, and Smith wouldn't be able to manoeuvre effectively. Too much, and he'd be dragged under the water. Herrick's challenge was to keep the helicopter steady, an extremely challenging job with no visual reference point. He had to be close enough to get near the yacht, but far enough away so they wouldn't hit the mast and so they could clear the swell. It was no easy task in these conditions. One minute the yacht's mast was nearly level with his line of vision, The next it would plunge metres below him as the wave passed. In any conditions, it's difficult to winch onto a yacht, so via the radio relay, they instructed Horgan to launch a life raft and paddle away from the yacht so they could easily reach him. For maximum safety, the raft should have been towed behind the yacht, but because there was no power or steering, that wouldn't work. With the wind so strong, Horgan couldn't even paddle away to put any distance between himself and the yacht. So it was on to plan B. The rescuers had a quick discussion and as a team they all agreed. They would lower Smith into the water and still connected to the winch, he would swim over to Horgan. Because swimming in these conditions was so difficult, it was up to Taylor to manoeuvre the winch to steer Smith in the water. Despite his nylon foam and neoprene survival suit, the cold water gave Smith a start. Swimming toward the life raft in the rolling sea, he finally reached Horgan, who was up against the side of his yacht. And that's where the distressed sailor told Smith that he couldn't swim. "'The only way out of here is for me to put this harness around you,' shouted Smith, indicating the gear attached to his own harness. "'Come with me and I'll take you away from the yacht and we'll be out of here in a few minutes,' he yelled above the roar of the waves and wind. "'Trust us. Let us take care of it.' Smith managed to get the strap over Horgan's head and under his arms. Then he needed him to roll out of the dinghy and into the sea so that they could both be winched back up to the helicopter. Confused by fear, cold and fatigue, Horgan turned back to the yacht, attempting to throw his leg over the side rail. The harness tangled in the tether rope between the yacht and the raft, pulling him back. Increasingly frantic, he struggled to get back to the safety of the yacht, becoming more and more entangled. One minute he'd be at eye level, and as the next wave hit he was dragged high out of the water. Smith could do nothing. Back on board the helicopter, Taylor and Herrick could see things turning nasty quickly. The sailor, the yacht, the life raft, their colleague and the helicopter were now all tangled together in one potentially deadly mess. One option was to cut the wire, but that would have left both men below stranded in the sea. Again it came down to trust. Smith looked up at his colleagues, They had eye contact, they knew without words what needed to be done. Smith must try to solve it. Listen, we can't go back on the yacht, we need to get ourselves away from this yacht, he called out. Both were being pounded against the craft. Time and again one of them would disappear into the sea. Over and over he tried to convince Horgan to let go. After what seemed like an age, but in reality was about 15 minutes, Horgan suddenly went limp. To Smith, it looked like he'd drowned or just given up. As Horgan slipped out of the harness, he floated away from the yacht and the tangled ropes, and Smith was able to free himself. Just as he was engulfed by the next wave, Taylor winched him up. Within seconds, he was back in the safety of the helicopter. Reaching seawater, covered with bumps and bruises and sporting a black eye, Smith sat on the deck of the helicopter to recover his breath. As the helicopter circled round, Taylor looked down, trying to locate the small light on Horgan's life vest. Suddenly he yelled and pointed down. He's still alive, Taylor shouted, glimpsing the struggling sailor. Do you want to give it another go? There was no time for discussion. They knew precious little fuel was left before they'd have to turn around. But they also knew this was their last chance to save Horgan's life. While Smith recoiled at the thought of being lowered a second time into the heavy seas, he knew what he was here for. Just give me a minute, he said. Within thirty seconds he was heading back down. Taylor lowered Smith ten metres away from the sailor. The paramedic swam over and grabbed Horgan's leg. This time you're not going to get away from me, he thought to himself. Horgan didn't struggle as Smith managed to get the harness over his head. They were swiftly winched out of the water. Back in the helicopter Smith lay on the floor, vomiting seawater, barely able to move. Herrick turned the chopper back towards Hawke's Bay. They arrived back at base with just a few minutes of fuel remaining. Both Horgan and Smith were taken to hospital. Smith's cuts and bruises were treated over several hours, but he needed ten days off work to recover from the ordeal. Horgan had developed hypothermia and had swallowed a lot of seawater. He was kept in overnight. They didn't give up on me when I had given up on myself, Horgan told journalists after his ordeal. They gave me life. In May 2012, Dean Herrick, Jeff Taylor and Stephen Smith received the New Zealand Search and Rescue Council's highest awards for their bravery on the mission to rescue Jim Horgan. For more RD Talks, visit readersdigest.com.au. Brought to you by Readers Digest Australia.